Hey, thanks for tuning in to Hillside Juniata Sermons Podcast, where our goal is to make committed followers of Jesus. We want to encourage you that if you're not already connected to a local church, that you'll find a place where you can connect, grow, serve, and go. But wherever you are today, we hope and pray that God will use this sermon for His glory and our greatest good. Thanks again for tuning in. If you are joining us new today, uh, we've been in a series called Zechariah, The Restoration of God. I'm dropping all of my things. Thank you, Maxine. I got my tissues here. We're ready. Um, it has been exciting to see the God that restores. Uh, if you don't know where Zechariah is, go to the New Testament, Matthew, and go back two books to the left. So you got Matthew, Malachi, or Malachi, as uh, Ashley would say, Malachi. We're going to study him later on uh, this year. And then you've got Zechariah. And we're going to be in Zechariah chapter 7 today. So, fascinating. But as you're turning there, I, I want to talk about, there's this nice picture here. I want to talk about the human heart. The human heart is, fa- oh, what page is it, Tom? Thank you. He's like holding it up. 851. So if you do not have a Bible, we have Bibles in the pew backs. Page 851, Zechariah chapter 7. Thank you, Tom. Uh, but the heart, the human heart is a fascinating organ. Uh, I'm going to give you some stats here. It's amazing. On average, did you know your heart beats 75 times a minute, 40 million times a year, or two and a half billion times in 70 years? Our heart's working nonstop. And if you're like a squirrel like me, that's probably like more than that. My heart's like <laughs> all the time. Our hearts go crazy and they pump 3,000 gallons of blood a day or, or 650,000 gallons a year. So the heart is an amazing organ. It's an amazing creation. And it's really, really strong. Has the ability to pump blood to every extremity and to push through and to, to increase and slow down. And, and there's so many amazing things about the heart, but we also know that the heart is also extremely fragile. According to the American Heart Association, 82.6 million people in the United States currently have one or more forms of cardiovascular disease. We understand that the heart is very fragile. CVD is actually the leading cause of death in both men and women in America. Every year, the CDC spends $165 million for programs to promote healthy lifestyles and behaviors in an effort to increase or decrease the incidence of CVD. So in America, we give so much attention to the physical condition of the heart, rightfully so, because many lives depend on it. But it's even more important here in the church that we give even more attention to the spiritual condition of our heart because every life depends on it. Spiritual heart disease is what we're going to talk about today. It's what the Bible calls a hardened heart. And I think that many of us have, if not previously suffered from heart, spiritual heart disease, from hardened hearts, we may be in it right now. You may be here today and you may be experiencing some of the things that we're going to talk about today. And we're going to see what exactly is a hard heart. A hard heart is one that continually refuses to trust God when tested and continually refuses to obey God when ordered. Are we a people who trust God? Are we a people who obey God? And if you are experiencing a little bit of tension right now, there might be some knocking happening 
on a hardened heart, myself included. We have the ability to put up walls. We have the ability to harden our hearts. But God is sitting at the door and he's knocking. So if you've hardened your heart, let me just share some things here. You might find it difficult to feel anything in your spiritual life. You might just feel numb, hard. Maybe truth doesn't move you. Or you have kind of a whatever kind of mentality when it comes to your spiritual life. You're like, well, just if I don't think about it, it's kind of like, I don't really care. If I don't think about it, I don't have to worry about obeying. I don't have to worry about feeling guilty. Maybe you're just like sitting here with your fingers in your ears and you're like, God, I'm not going to listen. I'm kind of apathetic. You feel less of a desire to talk to God. You feel less desire to hear from God in his word. You find it really difficult to say yes to God. Or you find it difficult to trust God when you face difficulties in your life. All of these things and more are tests, examinations of realities of those that may be walking with a hard heart today. And our warning from Zechariah and our main point for today is be on guard against a heart that is hard. Be on guard. In the book of Zechariah, we see that our God is a God who restores. So I'm going to go back for those of us just joining us. Week one, we said turn back if you've turned your back. And that's where we kind of saw our memory verse that we're going to read together here soon. But he's saying God will not refuse us. He's longing that he's saying, please return to me that I may return to you. I will not refuse you. And he's saying, turn back, repent. It's that idea of changing your mind. In Greek, we see it's kind of a change of direction. In Hebrew, it's a change of mind. It's this idea where I'm going to change directions and I'm going to go a different way. Repent, turn back. And there's ways that we easily, subtly turn by shifting, by thinking wrongly about God. So think right about God. Last week... Oh, we saw when grace moves in, guilt moves out. I don't know if you walked away last week as as encouraged as me from God's word of, I don't have to live with this phantom limb of guilt that doesn't exist anymore. That God healed us, he freed us, he clothed us, he changed us. And if you are in Christ, you are free from the guilt that you once walked in when he says, I've forgiven you. And if you're walking in forgiveness with the Lord, how dare we pick back up that nasty old cloak that we once wore, that God said, I paid for that. That's dead. That is no more. There's now no condemnation for those in Christ. So we respond to our conviction, which is different than guilt. We respond to conviction with repentance, and then we walk in freedom. So I hope that you walked free last week. You said, you know what, this guilt thing, I'm going to say, you're dead to me. You're gone. And I'm going to walk free from guilt. And this week we're going to see, be on guard against a heart that is hard. In our memory verse, let's say it all together. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 3. Let's read it out loud. Therefore say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, return to me, declares the Lord of hosts, that I may return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Tongue twister almost. The Lord of hosts, just to reiterate, we know that is a reference to the creator, sovereign God of the universe. And we know that when he said this, he was referring to God being angry with anger. He was very angry with the forefathers who were running and turning their back from God. And he's trying to say to them, the Lord of hosts, this is serious. I'm going to say this three times. This is serious. This is the God of the universe. And he's saying something very profound here. This isn't the side of God that's all squishy and squishmallow. I'm going to lean in and cuddle up close to this nice, tender, merciful, gracious God. This is the God of the universe. He is all these things. And we need to not forget that he's the Lord of hosts. And here's what he's saying here. 
is that return to me and I will not refuse you. That's our God. That's the character of our God. He's saying, I will not refuse you when you return to me. Isn't that a great promise? That our repentance, we are promised to respond with a non-refusal, with acceptance. So that's why every week we say confess, repent. That's who we are. That's our system that we fall into. So we are people who confess and repent. So let's catch up to chapter 7. So again, I want to reiterate, our Facebook page, I put out a post that has an overview of all, all of Zechariah. So we're coming in in the middle of Zechariah's visions, and they're kind of crazy. They don't necessarily make a lot of sense unless you do some study. So here we are in chapter 7, and this is actually two years have passed from chapter 6 to chapter 7. And in the first six chapters, God gave Zechariah a series of visions. And these visions presented how God was going to do something great for his people. And then the people had returned to Jerusalem after 70 years of captivity, and that's where chapter 7 begins. So catch where they're at. Things were looking up finally. They were actually back in the land. They were dwelling in Jerusalem. The temple was being constructed. These are good times for God's people. And yet, what does God give to Zechariah? He gives them a warning. Why is that? We should see that, that are we not most vulnerable when times are good? Do we not need the warning when times are good? Because it's so easy when the bank account's full, when everyone's healthy, when all the relationships are good, and, and when life is just kind of seems to be going easy. Isn't that when we are totally not on guard? Where our guards are down and it's easy for us to turn and to have and develop this hardened heart. And that's why God gives this words to Zechariah, to the people, and he's warning the people, be on guard against a hard heart. So let's jump in. We're going to start in verse 8, uh, chapter 7, and we're going to see the check for a hardened heart. So if you're going to check your pulse today, you and I, we're going to see, okay, is there anything in me, God, that may be hard? Is my heart hardened towards you in any way, God? Please reveal this to me. Let's see what, what God says through Zechariah to his people through this check. So here, Zechariah, he gave the people a series of four important mandates before we get in here. So we're going to see four things here that are a check for a hardened heart. And the first one is this in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus has the Lord of hosts said, Dispense true Justice. Okay, we've seen that read. If you've been reading Zechariah throughout, it says, then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah. So we need to hear this. When you, when you read that, we need to know this isn't just Zechariah having a really good idea and coming to the people and saying, guys, this is pretty biblical. This is literally the word of the Lord has come to Zechariah and as a vessel, he is brought forth to say this has emphasis, this has authority, this is from God. And he's speaking this to the people to get their attention. And here's what he says, first check, dispense true justice. We should be a people that are about justice. I've had things come to my mind this week that there are so many injustices that happen. I'm just going to, as a... Women in the room, I, I'm, I'm kind of waking up here to your reality, okay? The women in this room need to have safety here, man. Like, they need to know that they can come and be themselves. They have visions. They have go I'm just kind of realizing some things, talking to my wife that I did not know. So, ladies in the room, I'm sorry for what you've... I never have to be scared to go to the parking lot. I don't have to think about some of these things that you do. We should be a people that dispense true justice. That there is justice to be held in the presence of the Lord. And this is the introduction here. 
And this sentence in Hebrew actually emphasizes the word justice. And that word true is actually better used to say faithful. Because it's impossible to administer justice that's not true. Like justice in and of itself is based on truth. You can't have untrue justice. It's no longer just. So that word true here is just saying faithful, consistent, constant justice. God's people are to be consistent in dispensing justice. And this was a message concerning God's profound concern for justice of all people. Things are going good, and hey, I want to remind you, be on guard. Make sure that you are dispersing, dispensing justice. So I want to ask you, check your heart. Is in your heart, do you find yourself wanting justice? Do you look around and see things happening that are not just biblically, and are you moved? Are you sensitive to these things? Are we looking around and saying, this is not okay? That is a heart that is soft. That is a heart that is bleeding and pumping for the Lord. But a heart that sees injustice and is unmoved, that is not of the Lord. That is how we begin to harden. And he's saying it right out the gate. Do you dispense faithful, true justice? That's who we need to be. And the second check, he keeps going, and I I love this. I want you to see this in verse 9. He says, dispense true justice or faithful justice and practice kindness and compassion each to his brother. I want to go back and look at that word kindness and compassion. That word kindness is chesed. And it's actually really difficult to translate to English. Because that word kindness actually carries the idea of faithful covenantal love that seeks to fulfill a need or an obligation. I've been using kindness wrong my whole life. I've been thinking that a kind person is just a nice person. But biblical kindness is someone who is, who is nice but they meet a need. Kindness, to be kind, to say, I'm going to meet this need in my brothers and sisters. And what, does, what is required to administer kindness? Relationship, knowledge, knowing, love. I can't meet a need if I don't know your need. I can't be kind to you if I don't know what's going on in your life. We need to be a people who see one another. We know our needs, that we are able to administer chesed to one another. Kindness, we meet needs. So let's get to know one another. Let's administer this faithful covenantal love that fills obligations. And the second word there is compassion. And that word is actually related, this is really fascinating, to the word womb. So this word compassion, it expresses a tenderness toward one another. It's just like typical mother shows gentle, tender, devoted feelings toward her newborn. Do you feel that way? about your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you look across and you say, I see that need, and I want to meet that need. I want to love them enough to to be gentle with them, tender with them. I want them to experience safety here. That's what he's calling us to. Is that how we function? Check number two. Do you love others? That's really the, the expression of love. Do you genuinely love one another? Do you see one another? Do you love one another? And while the first two are kind of positive checks, then he turns to the negative and he's saying, hey, these things do. These things are not not okay to not do. Let's keep reading in verse 10. What else does he say as a check? So each to his brother in verse 10, and do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor. Pause. He's saying, do not oppress those that are vulnerable. 
all of this is kind of coming together here. He's saying, okay, if you, if you think things are good, are, there, are the vulnerable looked after? Are they protected? Do they feel a safety here? Are these people who need protection, are you taking advantage of them? Are you just forsaking them? If you have, and if we are, then we may have a hardened heart. James 1.27 says this. This is what, if you want to be religious, which Christianity is a relationship with God, but if you want to be religious, this is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this. Visit the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. The world tells us take advantage of those that are vulnerable. The world says easy, low-hanging fruit. We can pick on them, we can belittle them, we can take advantage of them. Not so the church. If you want to check and see how your heart is hard, are you taking advantage of those people? Do you look at them unmoved? Do you say, ah, it's, you know, it's not my circus, not my monkeys. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not moved by that. You know, my heart doesn't do anything for them. That's not the way God has called us. We need to check our heart. Do you speak up for? Do you protect? Do you visit the most vulnerable people in our world? That's who we need to be. I love watching these videos of, of men coming to the aid of those. I saw this, this man was attacking a woman, and, and it was great to see citizens come alongside and hold this man down until the police came. It's like that's the mental picture that I have for us, is that when one of us, when one of our vulnerable in our community, when they're getting beaten up, do we look at that and go, that's the other side of the road, I'm not going to get stained by that? Or do we run? Are we first responders? Say, this is who we're going to be. And as we continue to say no to that, as we continue to turn a blind eye to all these things, what we're doing is we're allowing our hearts to calcify, to harden, to become calloused and no longer experience the Lord moving in us. And we have the ability to harden our own hearts. So check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know, do you think about these people? And then the final check in this sweeping admonition, he says, Verse 10, let's keep reading. And do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. How dark can things get when we in the church begin to devise evil toward one another? When we we begin to think, how can I get this person and how can I get at them so that I can get what I want or I can take this position or I can do that? And then all of a sudden, the church becomes something that it was never meant to be. And I think many of us can sit here today and say, I don't want to be a part of that church. If that's who we are, I'm going to say, let's close doors because we're not doing this anymore. We're not going to be a people who devise evil against one another. We need to love one another. We need tender hearts toward one another. We need to know that we see one another. We're going to meet needs. We're going to be kind. We're going to be gracious. We're going to be compassionate. That's what God's calling us to. And how do these admonitions reveal a hardened heart towards God? Because here's what we know. Our treatment of people are a direct correlation of how we view God and how we relate with Him. The way that we live is an absolute check on how our relationship with God is actually. Are you loving your spouse? Are you seeing the needs of the lost? Are you moved? And if that is not happening, the odds are you're not really listening to the King. 
Because I can tell you what our king is concerned about. He's telling us right here. He's concerned about the vulnerable. He's concerned about the lost. He's concerned about your heart. He doesn't want it to be hardened. He doesn't want anything but justice. He's a God of justice. And Zechariah knew that a person with a hard heart, they will not practice justice, kindness, and compassion. They will not protect and care for the vulnerable, and they will not be forgiving. And we know that the unforgiving heart has totally rejected the forgiveness of God. How can that the one who has received such forgiveness that we've sung about today, all that I have is a hallelujah. We, we talked about this gratitude. Give thanks. He gave us his son. Let the weak say I'm strong, the poor rich, all of these things that we've been given. How does that person who says thank you, Lord, then turn and reject the one that needs it from them? This is a check for our heart today. We all need to check our hearts. How are we treating the people around us? And I dare say, how are you treating the people at home? Because that's the greatest reality. It's easier for me to put on a nice face for you all and say, hey, this is the best suit that I have. But when I get home, Michaela sees the real me. My kids see the real me. How, how, How do you treat the people at home? If you want to know how you're really doing, how you're really connected with the Lord, let's begin there. So be on guard against a heart. That is hard. Let's look at the next point. The characteristics of a hardened heart in verses 11 and 12. He, he lays this out here. So he's telling them to dispense true justice and practice kindness and compassion each to his brother and do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor and do not devise evil in your hearts against one another in verse 11. But what happened? They refused to pay attention and they turned a stubborn shoulder. How... Evident is that. Parents in the room. When you have teens that are just, I'm not going to pay attention to you. I'm actually listening to anything else. And I'm just going to turn a stubborn shoulder. When you refuse to hear and obey God's voice is a dangerous place. So we're given this picture here, this phraseology. And and what it's, it's, it's likening to an obstinate animal that refused to be bound by its harness. That's the picture that he's giving us here. It would continually rebel against any authority. It's like that bucking bronco. It's like, get off. Get out of here. I don't want anything to do with you. I'm just going to kick. And, and, and that's who we are when we refuse to listen, to pay attention. A person with a hard heart will turn their back on God with a defiant attitude that just basically says, God, you can talk all you want. I'm not listening. And if we're honest with ourselves, when we hold that posture before the Lord and say, I heard you, but yeah, no. Or or, I've I've heard what you've said is true and justice and and you want me to take care of these things, but really out of my comfort zone, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. What we're really doing is we are posturing ourselves like a defiant mule. Are you okay with that? I hope that we're not okay with that. Or we see rightly that we're just this obstinate animal saying, yeah, no, you can talk all you want, but I don't, I don't want any part of that. And you keep reading, and here's what happens. And they turn a stubborn shoulder, and what happened is, and they stopped their ears from hearing. They stopped their ears from hearing. It is so important for us to maintain proximity with God 
so that we continue to clear out our ears. I would love, if any of you have those like cool ear cleaning things, I'd love that because I've been like jabbing my ears for, and they're like, don't do that. But I, how neat it is to be cleared out so you can finally hear. People who know that their hearing is impaired. Hearing is a wonderful thing. To not have hearing, it's, it's not okay. It's maddening. And, and, and it's like how much we rely on hearing. And God says, you need to hear me. How are we to follow the Lord if we don't know what he's saying? If we don't know what he's leading? If we're not reading? If we're not listening? If we've said, nah, 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 I'm going to do my own thing. We're just like my son this week. He, he got in trouble. He just closed his eyes and ran straight and smacked straight into a wall. It's like, I'm so, if you see him, he has this huge goose egg right here. It's like, it, I was telling, it looks like we like put him in a dryer and just hit start. And he's just like, do, 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 do. Like he's got bumps all over his head. And that's what we do. We just close our ears. And we say, I don't want to hear you. And we run with our eyes closed. And we wonder why we have big goose eggs on our head. Thank you, Beckham, for that experience. Because I'm a lot like my son. He gets it 100% from me. Not Michaela. I'm, I'm the kid that's, and I run. And that's, that's a great state and a posture and a reality of how we are. And, and what's neat is when it says they stopped their ears from hearing, the, the phrase here says is they made their ears heavy. Isn't that neat? They just, they're just heavy. They're, they're not perked up to hear what God is saying. And then in verse 12, this is where we, we talk about this hardened heart. Let's keep reading. They made their hearts like flint so that they could not hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. And therefore, great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. They made their hearts like flint. That word flint, it's basically a reference to something that's extremely hard, impenetrable, and unbreakable. That's dangerous, that we have the ability to make our hearts like that. That God, in allowing us to have freedom, has says, yeah, you, you, can, you can do that. You can choose to reject. You can choose to say, no thanks. You can choose to plug your ears, hold your ears, close your eyes, and run straight into the wall. You can choose that. But what a terrible place to be. A hard-hearted person makes their heart cold. They don't want anything to scratch their heart. They don't want anything to break it, puncture it, crack it. Not even the words of God. And that breaks my heart. It breaks my heart when I meet people who say, yeah, that feeling was so painful that I'm never going to feel it again. I'm going to basically turn off that, that feeling and I'm going to say, I'm never going to feel that again. And then a wall goes up. And then they bounce off of that wall. They come over here. They feel something else. And they say, I'm never going to feel that again. And then what ends up happening is you're building up what we call walls around your heart. But it's this hardening process. You're saying, I'm never willing to feel that again. So what's going to happen is, is I'm going to lose all feel altogether. I'm going to not allow myself to go there again because it's way too painful. But what you end up doing is not just pushing out the world, you push out the words of God. May that not be. So what happens when they do that, therefore, they could not hear the law and the words, which the Lord of hosts, the God, the sovereign God, had sent by his prophets. I mean, we say it all the time. If God were to show up today and stand right here and say a word over us and call me out, we have the opportunity, I'm, would we even listen? Would we hear him and be like, yeah, that's not God, that's something else. 
That's somebody else. I'm not going to hear that. I've already decided. I've already put it that well. I'm not going to go there. If God were to be here today, and I want to I say this with emphasis, the Lord of hosts, if he declares a word and he's pounding and knocking on your heart, are you going to listen? Are you going to hear him? And these are the characteristics of someone who has a hardened heart. A hard-hearted person deliberately refuses to listen to God. May that not be who we are. What happens is, is when they deliberately choose to not listen to God, they're held responsible. You and I are held responsible when we choose to not listen to our parents, when we choose to not listen to law, when we choose to not listen to the Lord. We're held responsible. There are consequences. The hard-hearted person will, in effect, tell God, I'm not interested in what you have to say. I'm not going to change the way that I live my life. And I'm going to do whatever it takes not to listen to you. So church, let's be on guard against a heart that is hard. Let's not let that be us. So what are then the consequences of a hardened heart? We've already read this in verse 12. He says, therefore, great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. Predictably, God's response to people, people's prideful, arrogant, hard hearts was intense anger. Because he is the God of justice. And he has righteous anger. Unlike you and I, my anger is very rarely righteous. But God is righteous in his anger. When we reject him, the one that we've been made for, when he speaks so clearly to a people and they say, yeah, no, I'm not listening. I'm going to turn the other way and do my own thing. He's right to be angry at that. When he speaks to me and says, Nathaniel, go talk to that person. And I say, I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. He is right to be angry with me. Because I'm not listening to him. I'm not following him. I'm not submitting to him. And I'm saying, I'm in charge. And sadly, this was the repeated cycle for God's people. We read through it all through scripture. God's people continually repeat that cycle of hard-heartedness. Rebelling against God. And it results in God's discipline. Why? Because he disciplines those that he loves. So Zechariah named several results that happen to the people who harden their hearts. And let's read in verse 13. Here's what he says. And just as he called, and I want you to, as we read this verse 13, I want you to see if you hear a similarity to something that we read together every week. Verse 13. And just as he called, and they would not listen, so they called, and I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts. Do you hear the similarity to Zechariah chapter 1, verse 3? Thus says the Lord of hosts, return to me, says the Lord of hosts, that I may return to you. And here he's saying, he called. He called and they would not listen, so they called and I would not listen. Ouch. That's a scary place to be. When God calls and we plug our ears and he says, all right, when you call, I'm going to plug my ears. That's a warning, church. This is a warning from Zechariah to you and I to say, do not harden your heart. When God calls, respond. Do not turn away and say, I'm not listening, I'm not going to follow, I'm not going to do that. Because it just may be that he might not listen. And, and we know, we have context for how he responded to these people in this time. Jeremiah chapter 11, 11, verse 11 says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I'm bringing a disaster on them, 
which they will not be able to escape. Though they will cry to me, yet I will not listen to them. We see how God responded to his people who were in their arrogance and in their pride defying him. Not only did God turn a deaf ear to them, but he did something really crazy. Verse 14 says, But I scattered them with a storm wind. Now that word storm wind, that's like a crazy wind. Picture hurricane, tornado, carnage. So he scattered them to where they just kind of went all over the place. They were, they were no longer centralized. He scattered them with a storm wind among all the nations whom they have not known. Now all of a sudden they're just shaken up and they're lost. Thus the land is desolated behind them so that no one went back and forth for they made the pleasant land desolate. Now, I want to lean in here a little bit. Um, Zechariah addressed a generation that was having to rebuild the destroyed temple in the ruined city of Jerusalem from their forefathers. So I want to, I want to lean in here and say, not only is our obedience important for the here and now, it's important for our future. Are we going to make the next generation clean up our mess? Are we going to make them have to deal with our desolation? Because we refuse to listen. Parents in the room, you have the ability to change the narrative of your family tree. You can do that today. You have the ability to say, I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to obey the Lord. And for me and my children and their generations, we're going to say, we're going to listen. We're not going to hold our ears. And that's the best you can do. Because guess what? You're not going to give them the carnage, the desolation of a pleasant place. We have the opportunity now to say we are going to respond. We're not going to harden our hearts. And I just want to say to all those in the rooms who are the first generation, where you did not have a good example, and you decided and you said, I'm going to make a difference. Not my kids. They're going to experience a different dad. They're going to experience a different mom. Thank you. Thank you for hearing God's word and saying, I'm going to choose something different. I'm going to hold to truth and I'm going to allow the restoration of God to hit me for my sake and for the future. We need that. Zechariah's call was to stand as a stark and vivid reminder to the people who were starting to harden their hearts. Do you remember what that was like? Don't let that happen again. Because when you decide to harden your heart, there will be consequences. And it, it will start with you, and it will definitely be handed off to our kids. So you may not experience the consequences immediately of our, of our joy ride in life, of our obstinance, of all of that, but it will come to be. There will be consequences. So for this reason, and so many more, it's vitally important for us to guard our hearts against a heart that is hard. So because this is true... What should we do? Sorry, I, I started this last week. I'd love for us to say this together. We want to be a people who do the work of the Lord and not just hear it. So because this is true, I'd like us to say, what should we do? It doesn't need to be super loud, but what should we do? What do I do? So we're going to look at what's the cure for a hard heart? What's the cure? We're going to look at two things. The first is you have to recognize a hard heart, your hard heart. We need to be a people who first carefully examine ourselves. It's really easy to see it in somebody else. It's really hard to see it in yourself. 
That's that whole log in your eye and a speck in someone else's. Let's acknowledge the log in our eye. Let's do the work in our hearts to say, where am I bitter? Where am I resentful? Where do I have unforgiveness? And I just want you to spend time as we kind of walk through this application, take an examination of your heart. Are you holding on to unforgiveness in your heart? Unforgiveness to another? Unforgiveness from the Lord? Are you experiencing isolation from God and others? Are the things of God and the people of God a priority in your life? Now I know I'm speaking to the choir. You're all here in church. But I do, it's worth asking. Do you make excuses why you're not attending church regularly? Do I? Do you have reasons why you're not fellowshipping with other believers? Are you trying to isolate from God and others? Do you have indifference? Do you have this whatever? I I don't really care. If I don't care, I can't get hurt. So God, I just don't really care. Are you starting to believe that you might know better than God? (laughs) About specific instances where it's like God says to do this, but you're like, but yeah, God, I'm kind of here and I've kind of been in this situation for a while and I I know what I need to do. And it's not what you're saying to do. It's, It's something else. It's pride creeping in and hardening your heart to the things of the Lord. Or are you desensitized by a sinful habit? Are there strongholds of sin in your life that are, if you want to, Clog your ears real quick. Live in sin. Allow a habit of sin to just stick around and real quick, you're gonna, it, it's going to death. I tell you from personal experience, there have been times in my life where I have had habitual sin and I was so confused. I could not hear God. I didn't... It's a scary place to be when you can't hear the word. And we do that to ourselves when we allow there to be sin in our life. We need to get serious about our sin and say, you're dead to me. Kick it in the teeth. Say, get out of here. Do not allow yourself to be desensitized by sin. Ask the Lord to search your heart, to reveal anything, anything, things that you don't even know, blind spots, anything in your life to say, is there anything in the way? Anything that needs to be confessed and repented of, anything that is turning my heart into stone, little by little. And then from our text, I just want to encourage you from verse 11, pay attention. Pay attention. So much good happens in your life when you just begin to pay attention. When I begin to pay attention to my wife, so much good happens in our relationship where I can appreciate her because I saw what she did. But when I'm just walking around not paying attention, I miss it. And I miss an opportunity. Are you missing opportunities to see God at work in your life? Because you're not paying attention. And then, then we're, the lastly, we say, here's the remedy for a hard heart. We need to recognize, and we need the remedy. And here's, here's what I say from our text. Here's the remedy. Here. Listen. Verse 12. They made their hearts like flint, so they could not hear the law in the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. And the remedy to a hard heart is to listen to the counsel of those who come alongside us and warn us. People like Zechariah, God's word, fellow believers. Be in community with other believers. We need it. I need it. When people walk away from community, it's easy to develop a hard heart. Because you're just in a sound loop, a feedback loop. 
where it's easy to be deceived. Hebrews 3.13 says, Encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So be on guard against a heart that is hard. Those who refuse to examine their hearts and listen to the exhortation of others, they will eventually be hardened by sin. May that not be. So I want to leave just a few thoughts for you to consider. Do you ever have those moments when you're praying or reading and God brings something to your mind? Or he reminds you of maybe the way you treated someone or he reminds you of something you said about someone or he lays something on your heart for him to do. Here's an encouragement. As long as it is still called today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. How about times when a friend comes and points something out to you? Have you ever had that happen? And they talk to you about the way you've been treating your spouse or confront you about any manner of things, your language or, or anything. They question you and hold you accountable. As long as it's still called today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. These are moments, and, and there are many like these, and I encourage you to have conversation with your, your close group and say, how do you hear the Lord? How does he interrupt your day? How does he communicate? And how is he speaking in and correcting? And I want to encourage, encourage that one another once you know to say, as long as it's called today, do not harden your heart. Hear him. Continue to hear him. Because when he speaks in those moments, we have a choice. We can do one of two things. One, you can harden your heart, resist God's instructions, and we know the consequences of that. Or you can soften your heart and respond to God's instructions. And that could change everything for your generation and generations to come. So you'll have to decide one way or the other. So, Ben, if you want to come up, I want to give you just in our closing response a time to think. Where I'm not talking, I'm not interrupting your thoughts, and we're just going to play. And this song is just, Lord, it's, it's getting our, ourselves out of the way. And just to say, Lord, here is my heart. This is the posture. I don't know if, if we have many physical worshipers here. Um, but if you would like to be a physical worshiper and you just don't know what to do with my hands, I don't know, I don't like doing this, my pits, I don't know. I like to st stay like this. And this posture is kind of what I've taken on for life. And it basically is saying, God, I'm open-handed. Here is my heart. I want you to speak in. I want you to speak what is true. I want you to reveal where I'm wrong. I want you to correct me. And it's just a, a physical representation of an inward reality to say, God, here's my heart. So we're just, they're going to sing over us. And I, want to, I want you to do that. Say, God, here's my heart. Speak what is true. And we're going to speak some truth over us in this song. But I want you to allow him to respond. I think too often we just leave voicemails for God. We call him. We say thank you. We tell him what we want. And then we just click. We hang up. But we want to have this moment to say, God, we're going to leave the line open. Here's my heart. And as I'm listening, as I'm hearing, as I'm reflecting, would you speak what's true? So we're going to take that moment, and then I'll come and close our time. You spend time with the Lord, just open-handed, open heart. Say, God, would you do the work in me? Would you teach me, expose me, and may I be changed? So I'm going to get out of the way, and then we'll close with prayer.